This morning, we're kind of closing our four to five week um, kind of mini-series within the grander series of, of exploring our values and, and what God's calling us to here. And we're closing up our understanding of what mission is here at Bridgewood. Uh, can anyone tell me how we would define it here? Can anyone? It's real simple. Anybody been listening last five weeks? And I just shamed you. Isn't that, that's a great picture of what Jesus is like. <laughs> We're going to talk about that today. Anybody? Going where God goes. Now, who knew that and was afraid to just say it? Anybody? Okay. All right. We got a few honest people in here. Uh, yeah, going where God goes, where he leads, and us going with him. Not just following after him, but going alongside with him, right? And um, Mark and Tom have done a great job. We had Tom who, who uh, was in the pulpit a few weeks ago, and I wasn't there to hear it, but I heard it was great on prayer and mission. And then Mark telling you last week that mission is wherever you go in everyday life. Now, sometimes God takes us to, to far-off lands. Sometimes he takes us into the inner city. Sometimes he, he takes us to specific places, but mission is wherever we are. That's really what it is. And we've heard that. But we have to allow that to go from here to here. We know that. We know a lot of stuff, don't we? Especially those of us who have been churched. We know a lot of stuff. But we have to exercise what we know. We discern what we know. Is it truth? And we filter that through Scripture and through the Holy Spirit. Is it truth? And then what we believe is truth, then we have to exercise it. Otherwise, we just sit here. And we say, I hope I get filled today. Well, for what purpose? If we're not going to exercise, if we're not going to go where God goes. What's the purpose of knowing all that stuff? Right? And so, today what we want to talk about to bring this kind of in perspective is I want to give you an exercise right now. I want you to close your eyes, if you will, for a moment. And, and if you're better at visualizing with your eyes open, you can do that too, but... Whatever you posture yourself in, whatever way you need to in order to focus and picture something in your mind. I want you to, to just, just for you, to think about how you picture God. What does he look like to you? And I don't mean just physically, but what you know in Scripture, this, that. How you relate to him, what picture do you have of him? And when you get that, I want you to hold on to that. I want you to think about that a little bit as we talk today. So, what does he look like to you? It can be a variety of things. But how do you relate to him? How do you function? Okay. Got it? I'll assume yes. Keep thinking about it. But we all have our own picture of what God is like. Now, we go through the scriptures... We hear a lot of the same stuff, right? I'm, we're going to go through some scriptures today, and you're going to hear the same thing. But how you relate to God may be different. It's not going to be the same for everybody because our experiences shape how we see God. For good or for bad, it does. Does anyone experience that? I grew up thinking God was um, going to be really disappointed in me, and not so much a disciplinarian, but disappointment. He's going to be disappointed in me 
if I wasn't a rule follower, if I, if I didn't impress him in some way. So I, for me personally, I always tried to fit in. I tried to, um, be, I was a people pleaser, still am. I fight that today, right? You don't want to let anyone down because you're afraid to be a what? Disappointment. So that's, even though I, I read things about Jesus and, I, and about his character, my experience has take, taken who he is and what I've learned and has warped it. And so now I put my own fears, I put my own experiences upon Jesus, and I add that to who he is, and then that's how I relate to him. So when I do stuff in the past, when I've done stuff for the kingdom, it was not even so much for the people and for, for um, the, the kingdom to be expanded, but so I wouldn't be a disappointment to my Father in heaven. That's how I, I related to him. And that's how I related to people. And that's how I relayed who Jesus is to people. Is there something wrong there? Now, this might seem simple and elementary. And in some ways, it is. But it's something that infects us all. Because how we relate to him is depicted on our picture of him. And so, what pictures do we take of him? And that picture changes as experiences happen. Again, for good or for bad. In my life, when I got diabetes, my picture of him changed. This time for the better. A God who does hear me. A God who does listen to me. Because I asked for certain things, and he allowed certain things to happen so I could get a clearer picture of who he was. But there are a lot of them out there. And some of the, the, the big pictures that we see with Jesus. Now we can, now we can get it going. <laughs> um, we'll go to the, this one, right? Jesus the hippie. Wow. Kind of this wussy Jesus. He's just all about peace and harmony. And has anyone ever known someone that would describe him that way or lives in him that way? Yeah, I know a lot of people that do. There's this, they take Jesus and they kind of take his authority away and just see him as this peaceful teacher instead of the God of the universe. And so you've got this, boom. And I tell you, it was kind of fun looking at pictures <laughs> for this, right? You see all kinds of, it, which just confirms, if there's, if there's a multiple pictures of the same topic, you know people are thinking about this. Whether for fun or serious, and that's what's interesting about uh, that the Lord has taught me about is, is so many people, whether Christian or not, have all these different views and pictures of God. This is one of them. The next one, Jesus is my homeboy, right? We've seen this. Who's seen this before? Anybody who's heard this before, right? And he's my BFF. I had a, a pastor friend of mine who said, go drink to your heart's content. Go smoke cigars, do a lot, because Jesus would do it with you because he's your homeboy. <laughs> now, whether it's true or not, I don't know. I don't think so, but who knows? But the approach, the picture is this person's experiences are projected onto Jesus, which justifies their own behavior. That's their picture of Jesus. He's got to be like this. And so Jesus is my homeboy. Now, for many of us, the next one, now remember, there's millions of different pictures of Jesus. I'm just selecting a few that I've experienced from a majority of people, but this next one this next one is the most common, and that's Jesus as the enforcer or the disciplinarian. 
the, the, if you do something wrong, here it goes. Right? Bam, bam, bam. In your face. All right? Boom, boom, boom. Oh, my bad. The enforcer. We get terrified of what God might do if we do this or do that. Who's experienced that? I have. I live my life this way. Anybody? I'm going to ask you to be vulnerable here today because this is important. Okay, yeah, right? Some of us have been in parenting situations where when we hear the word father, that's what we think. Or when we hear mother, that's what we think. When we think of a parent relationship, we are God's children, oftentimes we go to that. I was shown that in Sunday school. I remember in Sunday school, if I got a wrong answer, there was this guy, he's He's passed away years ago. His name was Jim. And um, he would come up, and he had these long fingernails that, like, Freddy Krueger stuff that really creeped me out. Seriously. And when I heard he was teaching Sunday school, I panicked. Because I'm like, I would tell my buddies, Freddy Krueger, he's on deck, man. He's on deck. And my, and my buddies were like, oh, oh. Because if we got something wrong, he would take his nails and dig them into our neck. He would. And we were so terrified to tell anybody because of that hand. It's going to come and get us. I had nightmares about it. I did. And I remember at a young age, well, this guy represents God. God must what? Be like that. He must be this enforcer. But that's not who I read about. That's not who I've experienced in my own devotional time, but these are teachers, these are pastors. And see, that's another thing that we do. Another thing we do is we look at our leaders in our Christian church, and yes, they should be representatives of the character of Christ, but we can often be poor representations of who he is, and so now, that's our picture. God must be like this. Well, the pastor has just shamed me, kind of like I did earlier, in a joking way. It's kind of on accident. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Okay? But like that in a serious sense, and people live with that. And it causes a divide. And we get to a point where, I don't know if I want to serve this God. I don't know if I want to walk with this God. Because when we talk about mission, you're walking with God, so what God are you walking with? What picture of God are you taking on mission with you? Is it the hippie God? Is it... Is it the Jesus, your homeboy? Is it the enforcer or the disciplinarian? Or is it something else that doesn't quite reflect truly who he is? Because if we're going to go where he goes, that means he's going to lead you to people. Okay? He's going to lead you to people. Because he's in the people business. That's why we're here. It's for relationship. And... What comes out of your mouth is going to be based off on how you see God. What comes out of your actions is based off that picture of God that you hold in your mind and in your heart. And people are going to be affected by that. I have a friend of mine who um, is in a very prestigious seminary right now. And it, uh, a seminary that's confused on, on the picture, their picture of God. And he's confused now. And Jesus isn't that. Jesus isn't this. He's not this. He's not, what we've, he's not what we've made him to be. In some ways, he's right. And some of the things we talk about, and some things he's way off because 
his picture is skewed. And this is a guy that's walked with Jesus for many, many years, and now he has no idea where to go. Because we have this, the people of God have not done the best. We haven't. And that's not to shame us. That's just to say, that's what's happened. Right? Because we don't have a clear picture of who he is. So if you have your Bibles, I'll have the scripture up here in just a second. If you can turn to 1 John 4. And many of you have heard this. But we want to paint a picture. And believe me, this is not going to be the end all of God. Of the total picture. But this is the starting point that where we need to, we need to begin. Or re-begin. Or re-begin. Because I wanted you to think about what your picture is of God. Because when we read in the scriptures, I want to see the contrast. I want you to see the contrast. Is the God we see in scripture, is the Jesus we see in scripture, the same that I see in my mind in that picture? John 1, 4, 7 through 10. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love God does not know God, because God is what? Love. God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God is love. One pastor pointed out, That's a noun. God is love. Not just the action, but he is. It's his being. It's who he is. And we've taken pieces of that, and then we try to act it out, and it becomes kind of warped. We have minutes, we have moments where we hit it right on, right? Has has someone come to you in the name of Jesus and, and just been loved to you? Where you just felt loved, you felt seen, you felt valued. Who's experienced that? Yeah, there are moments where we get it head on, and there are moments that we just, (laughs) we miss it. We totally just, wow, we miss it. And we we try to define it. We try to qualify it. We try to make it even greater than it is. We take that word love, and that has so many different meanings in our culture, does it not? Okay. I've been watching um, a lot. Anybody ever watch the show House? Okay. All right. Anyone like afraid of dying of everything now? After seeing that show. <laughs> but I'm watching this show. I've, I've never watched it before. I'm like in the second season. And it's, it's, you get hooked on it. And, um, and those of you who know this guy House, he's a, a genius doctor, but he's a jerk. Just big time jerk. But he does care for people in his own way. But anyways, you always hear this word love on the show. You hear it, and it's probably not the only show you hear, but it always goes to what we emote, our emotions, our feelings. And love does affect those things, but love doesn't come out of our emotions. That's not the source of it. God is our source. We are made in his what? Image. So you are made in the image of love, which is why, first off, you're a product of God's love, of who he is, which means you were designed for love. So that's before emotions come into the picture, right? 
And it is such a huge word. And then we try to say, I love that person a lot. Have you ever heard that? Right? Um, Or a a phrase I use with Shanna, I love this phrase because it just sounds, for some reason, I picture it in an English accent and Shakespearean, like, but you're my great love. (laughs) Has anyone heard that? My great love, right? If God is love and he's indescribable because he's so big, right? He's uncreated. Now, think about that for a second uncreated, always has been. We've said that a lot, right? And we've probably thought about it for a few moments here. If you actually think about it, your head will explode. Because it is outside our context because we are created and designed to think everything has a beginning and an end. So when you see, when you hear, God is love, there's a finite feeling to it because that's what we bring. But if we actually take a step back and we step into the Holy Spirit, he begins to show us really what love is. God is love. And it's so undescribable that when Moses said to God, what is your name? He says, I am that I am. Think about that one. I was thinking about that this morning for like an hour. And I was, I'm like, Lord, you can take me now. Because my brain has just exploded. I am that I am. Those are the best words to describe him, and I don't even know what they mean. Right? I mean, can someone tell me what that means? I am that I am. He just is. And if he is love, then love just is. It's, it's so big, it's so vast, it's so indescribable. And we've spent millennia, I don't know how long that is, but it sounds like a lot, a long time, trying to describe it, trying to capture it, trying to uh, put it in poetry and books and studies on it, the four loves, you know, the C.S. Lewis, all this stuff, trying to fully understand it. And guess what? You're not, because we can't fully understand God because he's so big, and praise God, we have eternity to, to explore him, to be in that love in such a way that it's just infinite. It goes forever, and we'll just get to It's new every day, every moment. There's something we haven't explored. And we've taken that and we have have minimized it so it can fit our context. And so when we're going where God leads with the God who is love, we we put our own definition to that and we fall short instead of just letting him be who he is. God is love, but he does give a perfect perfect, let me say that again, perfect picture of what it looks like in its fullness, and that's in Jesus Christ we see here. This is love. This is who I am. Is what, if we read that correct, this is who I am. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. What you see in Jesus on the cross is the fullness of God is the fullness of what love does, of what love represents. If we look at Colossians 1, 15 through 23, well, we're going to stick on 19 through 20. For God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. God's fullness dwelled in who? Jesus. Jesus is the fullness of God, love incarnate. So when we see Jesus, we see God. 
When we see how he relates to people, we see how God relates to people. When we see him embrace the sinners, guess what? That's how God embraces people. It kind of contradicts the whole Chuck Norris thing, does it not? Correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember reading somewhere in the Gospels, Jesus, some of his last words on the cross were, Lord, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It wasn't, Lord, punch them in the face. It wasn't, Lord, strike them down. It wasn't, Lord, shame them. Lord, make them feel guilty. Father, when they come to me, I want them to come to me in such a way they feel like a slave and so guilty and so full of shame they'll do whatever I say because they're afraid of me. Is that what you hear? Is that what you see? He had guys in his last moments spitting on him, cursing him, making fun of him, and he died for them because he loves them. And we say, we're not worthy. He thinks you are. He thinks you're worth it. If you have any other picture than that, I don't know what you're looking at. That. Just that. That's where we start. Right there. That one thing. There's nothing clouding it. There's nothing getting in the way. It's just him on the cross saying, I love you because I am love and this is what love does. This is the character of who I am. This is what it means to walk with me. When you walk with me, you will look like this because you're abiding me and I in you and you're finally stepping into the full image in which you were created, which is love. That's it right there. Perfect love. The most perfect picture you will have is Jesus on the cross. And it's not so you feel shame. It's not so you feel guilty. It's not so that you would live in servitude in an unhealthy sense. It is so that you can be free and have access to God who is love for eternity and experience that over and over and over and over and over. That is as simple as it gets, but our own experience, we project it onto Jesus, and it it manipulates and warps who he is, and when we go on mission, that's the Jesus people get, not that one. So, I'm a little fired up. I'm not angry. (laughs) But the Lord's hit this with me because in my life, that's not the picture I've had. It's the picture I've known, but it's not the picture I carry. Because there are places in my life that need healing from God's love, in God's love. And we're all working on that. We all want that, don't we? There are places that we don't talk about. There are places we don't go. Because we are ashamed. Because we are afraid. But that right there, that message right there says, let me in. Let me go there with you. Let me speak into that. That's why we have this whole soul care ministry. So that we can be free. So that we can see that picture. And not something someone put on us because what they did to us when we were kids. Or what they said to us. Or what all this other junk. Because unfortunately, we are, we are, we are supposed to be the representation of the image of God of who he is. And we've done a bad job at it. Historically. 
But yet God brings people that do it really well at the same time. And we see it. And, we, and then we have that contrast. And then we see the, the areas that God wants to go in our hearts and our minds and our spirits and clean it up so we can see him as he is. Is what happened there sorrowful? Is it sad? It is in what he had to experience. It is in his loneliness, which actually happened before the cross. It happened in the garden. That was the most painful thing because he prayed, and guess what? For the first time in eternity, his father didn't answer back. So it's not just this. The cross is is not just the cross. It's the whole experience. From the garden to the resurrection, it's it's the whole experience of what he went through. And yes, it seems like, oh, it's, it's heartbreaking when we see the passion, we bawl and we cry and we walk away and we feel like, yeah, he loves us, but we feel a little guilty at the same time because it's our sin that did that to him and all this. But it's not a sorrowful thing. It's something we should rejoice. That's why we go and share the gospel because that gives us freedom. That says we're loved. That says I'm not dictated. My sins don't dictate who I am. My actions are now rooted in Christ and not my sin. My heart is rooted in Him and not my sin. And you know what's so wonderful? Is that as we walk with Him on mission, everyday life, as we walk with Him in prayer, as we walk with Him in community, that, that picture deepens and expands because He is infinite. So what you think you know of Him now is not even a smidgen of the full picture Because for eternity, we will be experiencing it. For eternity, he will continue to deepen it and expand it. And we'll get experience more of it. This is, if we don't get this, we get so lost. We really do. We get so lost in wanting to feel useful and doing things for God. And I'll be honest, it makes you feel good when you give someone who's hungry food. When you clothe someone who's naked, give them clothing. It's great, but we get so lost in that sometimes that we forget about this. Everything else is an expression of that. But I got to tell you, when I go on, when I've gone on mission trips and I've done all that stuff, I hate, to, I hate having to admit this to myself, but it wasn't because of that. I want to help someone and feel good and know that I contributed, that my life has some significance. It already does. Me being here is my significance because God made me. Out of who he is, which is love, I am a product of love. You're a product of love. Wherever we go, we are love when we are in him. That is the picture. That is the picture We need to learn to carry and allow God to deepen that and expand that as we walk with him. If we we really, really, really want to be the representation of Jesus, then we have to get our picture straight. We have to see that that's, that's the picture we carry. That's freedom. That's freedom from sin. That's freedom from religion. And what I say by that, how we see God, what we've made God in our image, that's how I would define religion, frees us from that. Frees us from all fear and judgment. That's love. And I'm not even going to sit here and try and describe it because that's the best way you can. Right there.
we don't get this, we're going to be really disappointed. We're going to be really disappointed. And so we're going to come the fall. We've been praying about this as a pastoral team. And we were going to do a, I'm going to be honest with you here and just let you know what we were going to do. We were going to do a, a long study on Hebrews, which we'll do. We're going to push that back because this is really important. Understanding a solid biblical picture of God is really important. And so we're going to do that. We're going to explore some things because Scripture gives, I mean, it's His Word, God breathed, so He's all over it. And so there's some things that we want to intentionally explore that we believe will help enhance what God uh, is not only doing, but how He wants us to experience Him in this place. And so we're going to go on that journey And it's going to be a hard one. But I'm excited about it because I am tired of holding this false image of who he is in my mind. I don't know about any of you, but it's real tiring to feel like I've just got to impress all the time. It's real hard feeling like I'm going to be disciplined every time I have a different understanding or do something outside who he is. But that's not what we see. Does that mean there's going to be no judgment? Well, no, that's not true. There will be. But it's, it's, it's not in this arena of stuff that we bring it to. It's not, okay, I didn't do this. God's going to hate me forever. God's ashamed of me. This and that. He knows the human heart. He knows the sinful condition because he, he, he cured it. And now he wants you to live in that cure. It's like watching house. You watch these, these guys that they're handing them the cure, and because of pride or because of this, they won't take it. I was on the edge of my seat last night going, take it. I was getting so mad, <laughs> right? And that's kind of how we feel when we see people who are not taken. It's right there. He gives it to us. So let's start seeing him the way he's meant to be seen. Because guess what happens? That picture right there, it begins to expand. And it gets brighter. And it illuminates things in your life you've never seen before. It will continue to transform you with ever-increasing glory. And I love it. So thank you, Lord. We praise you, God, for who you are. Who you are. You are love. You are love. And, and thank you, God, that we are products of love. And I, I pray in Jesus' name that we would begin to see you as you are. And I, I can't even begin to describe you, so I'll simply point to Jesus.